We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. What's up? Welcome into the Picks for Polls podcast brought to you by Bear Report as well as Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Usaid Koshal. Joining me today is actually Rashab Sikri, a.k.a. Del Windy City Productions. Everyone knows him. He probably ended up winning Bears Twitter March Madness, but there's a lot of Bears talk going on. You know, the NFL never sleeps. We got baseball's opening day going on, too. Cubs got their day one victory. There's apparently a lot of booze in Houston right now as the White Sox and Astros get ready to kind of start their seasons. But how's it going? Thanks for being on. And I think, quite frankly, you and I doing these recordings has become like a tradition because we do them at least three to four times a year, and they always create really fun conversation 100 percent, man i mean i have to get you on my uh draft uh reaction or live stream which i'll be doing in a, in a few months or not even a few months the draft is like next month so if you want to come on again he's been on my podcast not my podcast but my reaction stream the last like few years and we've had some pretty fun reactions mostly in 2021 when we drafted justin fields that was a pretty fun reaction we got featured on a few like uh reaction compilations i remember so yeah thanks for having me on again man it's gonna be a fun time talking about the bears it, it was and i see i still i have the video saved somewhere because i've like tweeted it out a handful of times i'm pretty sure it's still on my phone but that 2021 reaction i think was that legendary was because <laughs> because like our reactions were so completely different because you were like right. jumping up and down and you all i mean you, you were, knew the pick before we actually made it like you saw on twitter that we were about to select justin Fields, so <laughs> I mean, so part of it was I knew, like I saw on Twitter, because people just like tweet things out. The other half of it is also that I had spent that offseason so consumed in that they were, the Bears were going to need a quarterback. And so when I was doing, you know, my usual rounds, as I like to call them, I had been on 
ESPN, I had been on another good friend of mine, Keegan Hartman. I had been on Keegan's show too. And the talk that whole offseason, for me, every time I made a guest appearance on a lot of these shows was, hey, what are the Bears going to do? And I think a week before the draft, I had said that at third overall, the 49ers were going to go either Mac Jones or Trey Lance. And that the entire time, knowing the connections the Bears had to Ohio State, it was inevitable at that point. And then the Sunday before the draft, I remember Ian Rappaport publicly saying, for the 49ers, it's going to be either Mac Jones or Trey Lance. And that pretty much cemented in my mind. I knew it was going to be Fields. So for those of y'all wondering, I had the Fields pick on lock before anybody else did. But enough about... You know, 2021, let's get into 2023 because we've had so many interactions on Twitter and this offseason, quite frankly, Bears Twitter has been more interesting because it's been a much more exciting offseason. But thoughts, thoughts, impressions on the 2023 offseason, like what surprised you? What's something that you knew was going to happen? Because it's Mm -hmm. been a whirlwind of an offseason so far. 100%. 100%. Yeah, I'd say the most surprising thing is us not attack, attacking the lines more, the defensive line, the offensive line. Even though we made a couple signings there, you know, we added, you know, Demarcus Walker, we added Andrew Billings on the defensive line, we added Nate Davis on the offensive line. But I expected maybe a little bit more investment there just because it seemed like Ryan Poles was the type of GM that would start with the trenches first. But if you're going to draft the trenches, then it's not going to make that big of a difference, right? Like I would have personally liked to have the proven talent on the trenches but we have so many draft opportunities coming up we have pick number nine we have multiple second round picks we have a third round pick and ryan poles found braxton jones are starting left tackle in the fifth round so he clearly has an eye for scouting offensive line talent ian cunningham does too coming over from the philadelphia eagles so um that's the main surprise i would say and as for you know my general reactions about the offseason i think it's been a pretty good offseason for the bears like i know a lot of people have not been maybe the happiest because they expected the bears to spend all of their money. We still have $30 million to spend in cap space still. So we could have won after a, you know, a higher price guy like Orlando Brown jr. Like a, you know, like another guy like on the defensive line could have been an option for the bears, but I'm not going to complain about them trying to go for the value guys and also trying to not overspend too much, right? Like they spent a lot on Tremaine Edmonds about 20 million per year, but he's, the caliber of player where you sh- you should be okay with spending that much on that player because he's already proven to be really good in the NFL. But like contrast that with like a Mike McGlinchey at right tackle where he's like, I call him like average, but if you have to spend 17, 18, 20 million on him, probably not the best use of your funds. So overall, you know, Poles got a number one receiver in DJ Moore. He got O-line help in Nate Davis. He got really good linebackers. He got some other guys too. So I've been pretty happy about the offseason. It's still... Um, not even done yet, right? Like we still have the draft coming up. We still have potential trades coming up. The Bears do have a lot of cap space if they do want to, you know, trade for a player that could be available that needs a new contract, like a Jeffrey Simmons, for example. So I've been pretty happy overall, though. Yeah, you talk about a lot of value, guys. And I mean, when you look at this free agency class, it's not one that blew anyone away. It's not like the Bears. So the Bears went into free agency after the DJ Moore trade with like 75 or $76 million in cap space. And again, they spent like half of that because they're sitting at $38, $39 million right now. But also, it's not like this free agency class for the people that are disappointed 
was one that was going to blow anyone away because it just never seemed realistic as much as people wanted to go out and, you know, play mock GM on social media and say, Oh, we need the bears need to go ahead and sign Orlando Brown jr. And then move him to left tackle. Then look at Mike McGlinchey and then look at Draymond Jones too. But really what it came down to was Ryan Poles as well as just the various departments in the front office saying, Hey, what exactly is important for us? Because when you look at this class that's coming up here and we'll get to the NFL draft, the second half of the show. But what's so interesting is that that's where really, when it comes to addressing the trenches, that's where you do it. Like I've told people all off season, I've said this on this podcast as well for the people that are annoyed in terms of not investing more in the trenches via free agency. I mean, the only thing you're really getting is experience. If you sign a guy like a Draymond Jones or a Mike McGlinchey and those hypothetical scenarios, of course, or Orlando Brown Jr. But the reality is the trenches are the foundation of your football team. So it's more valuable to draft a player, develop that player over the next three to four years and have that cheap contract until 2025, 26, rather than it would be to kind of dish out a second contract for a 26, 27 year old veteran. Because if you can get cheap offensive line play and cheap defensive line play, like the Eagles are a prime example of this. They have such cheap defensive line play and it's just a factory that keeps on churning and the gift that keeps on giving. 100%. I mean, you mentioned that the Eagles, they drafted most of their defensive linemen, even when when they did need defensive line this year. Like Jordan Davis barely played for them, but he's going to be a major contributor probably next season because they lost some guys on the D-line. And that's what other teams do, too. Like the Chiefs have done that, too. They've drafted defensive line pretty frequently. You know, the Packers, other teams that have that that have had pretty good defensive lines, you mostly build it through the NFL draft. So I totally agree. Like, it's not going to be. We're, we're probably not going to be kicking ourselves too much that we missed out on like a Mike McGlinchey or like a Draymond Jones in like two or three years, I would guess, because those players, kind of like you mentioned, they're not like the superstar level players where they were going to change the Bears immediately. They would have helped us out a lot this year for sure, but it's not going to turn around our entire franchise um, just from those having those two players in here. So I, I think that Ryan Pohl is going through the NFL draft for this. It is the best approach long term. And plus, I'll add this in before we talk about the new wide receiver one, DJ Moore, is that the Bears had such little talent last year that you could argue whatever the Bears decided to bring in this offseason is quite frankly an upgrade over anything that the Bears trotted out last year. Like the only position that you can say was not really upgraded was because the best on the roster is quarterback running back. You could argue there's been a bit of a slight downgrade there, but other than that, like the bears went into this thing, upgrading pretty much every single position. Yeah. I mean, even the small upgrades too, like Andrew Billings, you know, one technique nose tackle, it's not going to like change our entire defensive line by himself, but He's still an upgrade over whoever we had last year. I can't even remember right now. Like, we did not have good production on the D-line from the interior um, last year. So getting a guy, you know, getting multiple guys that have had pretty good one-year stints or two-year stints with other teams, that's kind of how you build, you know, cheap um, depth, right? And that, that's something that even Ryan Pace sometimes did, right? Like, he's found Akeem Hicks on a, you know, on a cheap contract after his time with the Saints. 
turned out to be a steal of a deal because he had one good year with the Saints. He came out to Chicago Bears, broke out there. So you never know with these value signings. Sometimes they work out. Sometimes they don't. Last year, it didn't really work out because we didn't really go after many of them. Like we, we signed like the Byron Pringles and the Aquanemia St. Browns of the world, but we didn't like necessarily go after maybe like a the next tier of a value signing. But I think this year we kind of did, right? Like we signed multiple guys like a like a Robert Tanyan, Ahmed Tyden, like Andrew Billings, like a Demarcus Walker, who's not really a value signing, but he's like a maybe a more expensive version of like an Alquadi Muhammad where he had, you know, one good season with the Titans, still on the upswing of his career. Hope to see more of that in the future. So yeah. Let's get into DJ Moore because when the Bears made the trade, so it's one of those where you kind of just remember where you were and what you were doing at the time. I remember being at Starbucks when the news broke. <laughs> Can also recount where I was when the Trubisky trade happened, as well as oh, yeah. the Khalil Mack trade. But let's okay. So the DJ Moore trade, I thought, blew a lot of people away, and it wasn't just the fact that the bears wanting to trade out of first overall was the NFL's worst kept secret. Cause I mean, the news broke Monday of the combine that the bears were going to trade out of first overall. And like two weeks later, it actually happens. But were you surprised the bears were able to get DJ Moore instead of a 2025 first round pick? Yeah, hundred percent. I did not think that he was going to be available in this trade because from the Carolina Panthers perspective, why would you trade your only, really good talent on the roster receiver, right? Like, I know they added some guys now in free agency, like Adam Thielen, like a DJ Chark, but still, like, DJ Moore is a true number one. Like, he's proven it the last four or five years of his career with even bad quarterback plays. So I thought that if they're going to trade up to number one, why would you put your quarterback in a bad situation by trading away, you know, the number one option for that guy? But clearly, they had to outbid other teams. They had to give their best offer. And, you know, it was reported that Ryan Poles gave them the option between I think DJ Moore, JC Horn, um, maybe Brian Burns too might have been included. Like he wanted like a sweetener in that deal to get it done immediately. And they threw in DJ Moore, which great for the Bears because I did not think there was any other way to get like a true number one this year, um, besides, you know, maybe doing a trade or praying for somebody in the draft, like a Jackson Smith Jigba, um, to break out for you in year one. But I, I definitely prefer getting a proven guy like DJ Moore. So I was really, really happy to get DJ Moore and also to get other picks on top of that too, right? Like we got 2025 second round pick. We got the first this year, obviously we got a second round extra one this year. Um, we got their first two in 2024, which could be potentially high, right? I mean, the, the Panthers, they're going to be starting a rookie quarterback. And as we Bears fans know, you know, rookie quarterbacks generally do not do that well in the first year, the first couple of years. So really, really happy with the haul that the Bears got hundred percent. See, I likened it to a guy like DJ Moore is more valuable than a first-round pick in 2025 simply because you don't know what the draft class in 2025 is going to look like. And just having that veteran experience with a player like DJ Moore makes all the difference in the world. And when I go back and I look at a lot of scouting reports from the 2018 draft, my own included, I mean, DJ Moore was one of those guys that you looked at as low risk, high reward type player. And what I mean by that is that 2018 class, I think so many people forget it was stacked. That you had guys like Calvin Ridley, Anthony Miller, DJ Moore, even. And I think that when we look at that class in general, like the two top guys are Ridley and DJ Moore. So 
That was a trade when I saw that the Bears were able to land DJ Moore. I was ecstatic about it because it just kind of reinforced how much Ryan Poles is setting the trends here in Chicago. And what I mean by that is that when you go back and look at the numbers, the Bears had $120 million invested on defense by the previous regime. Now, this regime, things are so different. They have such a different style of thinking that, yeah, they're going to invest in defense with their guys like a Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards, but also, hey, DJ Moore getting him at like 16, 17 million a year for like the next three to four years, which is pretty much when your window is before you have to pay Justin Fields. I mean, makes the most sense on the planet. Speaking of the defense, though, I mean, impressions of Tremaine Edmonds, because some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people say he's Brian Erlacher light. He's certainly a better fit at Mike linebacker than Roquan Smith was, but what does Matt Eberflus have to do to unlock his potential to take him from being a great linebacker to an elite linebacker? Yeah, I mean, I think just surround him with the talent that he had maybe in like Buffalo, right? And even Buffalo, like I know they had a good defensive line, but Tremaine Edmonds last year, he broke out for them, right? Like he had the best year of his career. He's only 24, I believe, or 25, I think. So I think just from like the natural progression of his career, like from getting more experience, from getting more playing time, He's going to get better 100% because he was one of the youngest, most raw prospects coming out of, um, don't even remember what college he came from, but he was drafted at 19, right? So had a lot of growing to do, had a lot of learning to do. He's learned a lot in his last years of his career, gotten better in coverage, gotten better in terms of just being more instinctive, I guess. And, um, you know, Iberflus has shown that he he can work with these linebackers, right? Like he turned Jack Sanborn into being pretty good with the Colts. He had guys like, you know, Darius or Shaquille Leonard now, um, Bobby Okereke did pretty good with him too. So I think the system overall is, it's um, it's very linebacker, like, I don't want to say friendly, but it, it, it gets it gets a lot of production out of the linebackers um, m- most of the times, right? And Tremaine Edmonds, being the athletic freak that he is, the ability to go sideline to sideline, um, explode up and down the field, the range that he has, right? Like he has a range that, like you mentioned, like a Brian Erlacher has, and I'm not trying to say that he's going to be Erlacher, because that's a lofty comparison to put on him, but he has these gifts that you just don't see in many linebackers. So I was pretty happy with the signing, right? Like, it, it's definitely a lot. Like, 18 million is a lot to spend on, like, off-ball linebacker, but we have so much money right now. It's not, like, a, a terrible deal, I would say. It's probably, like, market value for him, and I was totally okay with it. Like, especially after you got the the steal in, in TJ Edwards, right? Like, TJ Edwards, you're barely paying him any money at all for the pretty good time you have with the Eagles. So I'm, I'm totally okay with splurging a little bit on, on an elite type of linebacker. Yeah. I mean, and if we're going to be honest, Devin White's going to get paid soon by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and he'll reset the market and kind of get that 22, $23 million a year that a lot of these off ball linebackers want to seek, but sticking with linebacker conversation here, you, I think have this new trio of, Edmonds, TJ Edwards, as well as Jack Sanborn. Two of your three guys are on uber cheap deals. What do you think is the expectation for these guys? Because wherever Matt Eberflus has gone, you look at his time in Dallas with players like Sean Lee, for example, who, again, if I'm looking at Matt Eberflus's history and the way that this defense is coordinated, it's very clear that, like, 
you expect a guy such as Tremaine Edmonds to basically be Sean Lee in this defense. And Sean Lee, by the way, really solid player. But also, getting back to it, I mean, what are your expectations for these three guys? Because the Bears are going to do a lot of shuffling. You know, Edmonds is going to be the mic. That leaves Will and Sam for Edwards as well as Sanborn. What do you think is going to happen? It's going to be a lot of production for sure. Like, you're expecting... A lot of tackles, obviously. Um, we're going to be in nickel a lot, too. I mean, all teams are in nickel nowadays. So it's not like all three linebackers are going to be on the field at all times. But you would expect, you know, at least two to be on the field. And shuffling between Sanborn, Edwards, and Edmonds, I mean, that's a nasty linebacking core where you're not going to really have a break if you're if you're the opposing offense, right? Like, you have multiple guys that are, you know, that are good at tackling, good at run defense. You know, a Sanborn, a TJ Edwards, you have a guy... That's a better coverage linebacker in a, in a Tremaine Edmonds, who's more of the athletic freak, too, um, that actually has the ability to go sideline to sideline. So I'm expecting a lot of production. And I think that, you know, this is going to help out our coverage a lot, too. Like, I know we didn't address the D-line too much, but getting these linebackers that can cover, that can also play against the run, that is going to help out a run defense um, to some extent, right? Even if the defensive line is not totally fixed, because these are guys that can get to the ball carrier, you know, crash those those holes and you know get 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 the ball carrier down okay they've done that before in their in their time with the philadelphia eagles with other teams too so i'm expecting it to be a pretty good linebacking core it should be top i would say top five hopefully in the nfl top seven with how much you know talent we have right now how much young talent we have so does the uncertainty at right tackle frustrate you at all because a lot of people are locking on to let's just move Braxton Jones over to the right side, take a left tackle. The Bears do have their options, though, because you've got Larry Borm and Alex Leatherwood based on the way last season went. I mean, Larry Borm in and out of the lineup. We really didn't see a whole lot of Alex Leatherwood. But then again, Alex is a former first-round pick going into year three. So if I had to be a betting man, I would definitely say roll with Alex Leatherwood over Larry Borm. I think I'd agree, but I also think we're definitely going to draft a right tackle. I think it's basically guaranteed we're going get to a, get a right tackle somewhere in the draft. I'm thinking probably pick number nine makes the most sense because then you have the picker, pick the pick of the litter, basically, right? Like I think that most of the tackles are going to be on the board at pick number nine. But um, I would have liked to see us maybe go after one in free agency because there were guys out there that were scheme fits, like uh, Caleb McGarry I thought was a scheme fit, um, Mike McGlinchey. But he got overpaid, so like he got so much money where I'm not going to hold that against Ryan Poles for not getting McGlinchey. But I feel like Caleb McGarry, at least from the outside looking in, could have been a pretty good investment. But like I mentioned, though, like the draft is still there, and you have really good prospects like a Paris Johnson Jr., um, you know, other guys. You have the guy from Georgia. You have uh, Darnell Wright as well. So I think that right tackle is going to be fixed in the NFL draft. Um, it's obviously not the best to rely on a rookie to you know perform really well for you in year one which we're gonna need because we need a good offensive line for justin fields next year but we had limited resources right like i I know maybe not limited is the word but like you obviously can't spend everything you can't spend all your money in in one year so going through the nfl draft for you know for the tackle i think i think it makes a lot of sense for the bears especially with how good the talent is i'm in the nfl draft to tackle before we get into our next segment we want to speak to you guys about odds trader 
the one place where you can compare odds from multiple sports books to give you the best chance of making the most money. If you're like me and you're consistently watching sports, you're glued to your phone, you're out of the house, you're kind of just keeping tabs on the scores, injury updates, weather updates, all that type of stuff. Guess what? Odd Trader is the perfect app for you. The NFL season may be over, but we've got baseball, March Madness, so many different sports going on. And guess what? Through Odds Trader, you can compare the different signup codes and promotions to give yourself the best deal possible. The app, which is super user friendly, by the way, provides player stats, weather updates, injury reports, allowing you to keep track of multiple bets all in one place. There were times during the football season where on Saturdays, guess what? I literally had five or six games on that I was following at one time and boom, Odds Trader was right there giving me all the information that I needed so I could make the best deals possible. So to get started, go to oddtrader.com slash blue wire. Once again, that's oddtrader.com slash blue wire. Oddtrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. See, for me, one of the things that brings about so much uncertainty when it comes to this offensive line is you kind of know what you have in Tevin Jenkins. Braxton Jones, there's a lot of room to improve. You know what you have in Cody Whitehair. And I still think Tevin can be better, but something that worries me, and we're going to have this conversation after the draft too, especially in the dog days of late May, early June, going into the early portions of July until training camp. And it's going to be the biggest storyline to monitor throughout training camp as well as reshuffling the offensive line. Because Ryan Poles has kind of indicated, hey, we are willing to find the best five up front. It's not necessarily something where we have a set combination right now. You throw Nate Davis into the mix at right guard, and now you're in a situation where it's almost as if, what is your interior look like going to be? Jenkins at left guard, Whitehair at center, Nate Davis at right guard, which I think is a pretty solid interior. But then that brings into question, what do you do when you draft a guy in the first round? Where do you kick Braxton Jones out? And I think the lack of continuity, I mean, there's continuity along the offensive line, but the Bears don't have a solid starting five is a bit worrisome especially because this team is banking on Justin breaking out in 2023 and one of the big ways to do that is to have a level of continuity along the OL yeah definitely but it's it's also like the start of a rebuild right like we started rebuilding basically last year so like you I guess you can't expect too much continuity when you're still trying to get the right pieces on the old line and that's not always going to be just fix in one year. Sometimes it takes multiple years to get the right pieces on the O-line. And Ryan Poles, he's been put in this really tough position where you obviously want a breakout year for Fields next year, but you're still trying to build this roster um, for the long term, the right way, like through the NFL draft. And it's it's obviously unfortunate that you're going to have to maybe shuffle some guys around. But I feel like the talent, the talent level is there, right? Like a Nate Davis, um, he's probably sticking on right guard. But if you look at Tevin Jenkins, I mean, he's proven to already, um, you know, do really good in the switch last year. Like he was playing tackle in college. He moved to guard, did really well at guard. I know there's a learning curve going from right guard to left guard, but it's probably not going to be as big of a curve. I would hope as going from tackle to guard. I know you're switching sides, but it is what it is. Like you can't, I guess you can't really complain about it too much um, because it's just just the cards that Ryan Poles has dealt with. Like he can't um, fix everything. He can't keep everything the same. Uh, from year to year, there's a lot that's going to need change for sure. 
every team's certainly different. Players tend to change and adapt as well. Part of change is continuing to grow. What does a breakout season for Justin Fields look like in 2023 to you? Because and I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to say he needs to have this kind of Jalen Hurts or Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes type season. But I think a sizable step forward where you just see consistency throughout all 17 games. And he's the reason the Bears are winning with this revamp roster around him is within itself a breakout season. And in that, I would include something such as Justin going ahead and possibly even leading this team to contention for a playoff spot or a wild card appearance. Yeah, thank you for asking in terms of stats. Um, at least like 3,000 passing yards, you know, hopefully 3,500 plus, 4,000 plus would be amazing. We've never had a 4,000 yard passer still after like freaking like 70 plus years of being a franchise. But I'm not going to put that expectation on him because we still have, you know, hold the fix on the offense. But we obviously cannot be the worst passing offense in the NFL next year. Like if we are still the worst passing offense and Justin Fields sadly is not going to be on the roster on in 2024 so we need to see sizable jumps in terms of the passing ability the passing production too because now you actually have a true number one you have a pretty good receiving core now probably the best in the nfc north i would say if you look at the entire depth of the receiving core so um i would hope like at least 3200 3300 passing yards um the running is going to be less i would say next year because he's going to be trying to pass in the pocket more not just take off every you know every time the pocket collapses but like you mentioned, also like winning games and putting the Bears in positions to win games and just growing overall from last year. Like for, if you look at the film, if he's growing from last year in terms of, you know, recognizing more coverages faster, getting the ball out quicker, hitting the easy passes faster, like a screen pass. Like if he's accurate on the screen passes, if he's hitting those, you know, consistently next year, that in itself would be an upgrade, right? Because last year you saw, you know, some of the, the short passes, he was not able to really convert them consistently for whatever reason mechanical change whatever it was so there's a lot of ways you could look at um classifying a breakout year for fields but i think that stats wise and numbers wise and the winning percentage wise if he's just growing in every category that would probably be a breakout year for justin fields all right let's talk the bears 2022 draft class they had i think nine or ten picks I mean, which player is breaking out next year in your opinion? Because for me, I mean, the easy the easy answers are either Jaquan Brisker or Braxton Jones. I think Dominique mm-hmm. Robinson, based on what I saw last season and then just watching him as a rookie in training camp, there was a lot there that you looked at and said, all right, he's got a serious chance to break out. But who's breaking out from the Bears 2022 draft class and taking that sophomore jump? All right, I'll try not to say Braxton Jones and Jaquan Brisker because you already talked about them, but Kyler Gordon, I mean, why not? I mean, I know he had a very rough start to his career with the Bears, um, the most picked-on cornerback for the first, like, six, seven weeks of the season. Did really bad at the beginning, but you saw down the stretch of last year, he actually put together some pretty good performances, like, in a row. Like, the last four or five games, he looked pretty decent in a lot of the games. He had a couple picks. Um, he picked off Josh Allen. So he got his hands on the ball. He already has, I think, more interceptions than Jalen Johnson has ever had in his career. I I know Jalen seems to not get his hands on the ball that often. So I think that Kyler Gordon with his, you know, his ability to be athletic, his ability to play outside and inside, you know, hopefully next year he can stick more um, 
in one side, right? If we draft a cornerback to play outside, then maybe Kyle Gordon can be full-time nickel. Or if we draft a nickel cornerback, then maybe Kyle Gordon could be full-time outside cornerback. Maybe that would help his development out a little bit more. But we, you just saw like a lot of good things out of Kyle Gordon last year where you would expect that to continue to you know, get better next year. And he's only like 22, 23, right? So the sky's the limit still for Kyle Gordon. Ryan Pohl's first pick ever with the Chicago Bears. So I'd say Kyle Gordon and then... Besides that, I can't really think of any other guys that would be given many opportunities to start. Like all the offensive line we picked, offensive linemen we picked, they're probably not going to get many chances. Like a Doug Kramer, um, like a Jatari Carter, like maybe they're going to be camp bodies, but I don't think they're going to actually get the chance to start next year, um, barring like injury or something crazy. So four picks in the top 100 for the first time since 2008 what's your overall impression of this class because it's a class where the bears like i said they've got four picks in the top 100 for the first time in like 13 or 14 years there's a lot of maneuvering that can be done and then i see it as a very top heavy class but there's so much value in rounds two and three it's almost like ryan poles you cannot screw this up by any means We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and with how many needs the Bears still have on both the lines, like we're basically guaranteed to get a, a day one contributor on day one and day two, right? Like whoever we pick at number nine, he's probably going to be starting day one. Same with, uh, you know, both our second round picks and the edge class and also the, maybe like the center class, I'd say those are really, really deep this year, right? Like you have multiple centers that are, um, you know, high caliber players that could turn out to be high caliber players. And usually you don't get that. So if the bears want to take a swing on like a John Michael Schmitz or a, a Luke Whipler or um, Olu from Michigan, like there's a lot of guys you could take a swing on. I mean, this draft at center and then edge too. like you saw, they ran crazy times in the 40 yard dash, you know, at the combine. Like these are some of the most athletic edge prospects we've seen in a long, long time in the NFL draft. Okay. It's not only Will Anderson, it's guys like Nolan Smith, um, Isaiah Foskey, uh, other guys out there too. Like there's just so many names I can think of where any of these players would probably be a day one upgrade for the Chicago Bears. So I think that the line depth is definitely good enough where the Bears should be, um, you know, getting a big upgrade. And then, you know, beside, if you look at the other positions, like 
there's decent cornerbacks too. There's decent um, running backs too. Like if you want to take a running back in round four, round five, like a Chase Brown from Illinois, I'm a big fan of because I'm an Illinois fan, obviously. Um, but there's also other guys like a Zach Charbonnet or a lot of other guys where if you want to still get a running back to, to add to this uh, tandem that we have between Herbert and um, Foreman, you could do that too to get you know another really solid running back. So Whatever the case is, I think the Bears will be adding a lot of talent in the draft, um, no matter what. Like it's it's really hard to mess this up, I would say. Let's play some scenario based games here. I mean, what are you doing at ninth overall? Because easy consensus is offensive lineman, but then there's also the rumors we hear of the Titans possibly trading up for a quarterback and then you also hear Jalen Carter and it sounds like see it's weird because we don't know like if Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were still here Jalen Carter would probably be off the Bears draft board because that regime did not necessarily pick players who got into trouble off the field Ryan Poles has kind of made indications of well I need Kevin Warren and George McCaskey to sign off but what are the Bears doing at ninth overall if you were in Ryan Poles chair I'd go O-line 100% I think I'm I'm on the record saying this that the Bears need offensive line right now we need to protect Justin Fields that's the biggest priority for next year being able to protect our franchise quarterback but I would also not be too mad at going cornerback potentially like getting a Devin Witherspoon getting a Christian Gonzalez because I know that secondary is not the biggest need in the world right like I know a lot of Bears fans probably not going to be the happiest if we do select cornerback but if you look at the prospects that Devin Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez are they're really really good prospects like they could actually be number one corners for like a long time for you um so if you don't re-sign Jalen Johnson next year or even if you just want a better cornerback cornerback number two those could be elite high-end level prospects. And Ryan Poles has said that he's willing to uh, draft best player available, right? So it doesn't have to be an offensive lineman. It could also be a receiver like a JSN, Jackson Smith-Ajigba from Ohio State, which I know a lot of Bears fans are pretty high on because he has a connection with Fields. Not not so much. He only played a few games with Fields, but um, you, you, those Ohio State receivers are really doing well in the NFL now. So that could also be an option. But if you ask me, I just go offensive line. I go Paris Johnson Jr., Broderick Jones, either of those two. Um, not the biggest fan, I'd say, of Peter Skaronsky, just because I I think a lot of people think he's a guard, right? So, like, if, if you want to draft a guard that high, I don't think it would make sense when the Bears already have three players um, or four players that can play guard right now for them. So I'd go one of the tackles, um, but we'll see what Ryan Poles does. It's, it's hard to get a, like, a, a guess on what he's going to do because last year I thought it was 100% certain he's going to go O-line receiver at pick number 39. He went cornerback and then safety. So it's kind of hard to guess with, with this guy. It's see last year was last year was a unique year because there's a one on wide receivers in the back half of round one. And then the AJ Brown to Philadelphia trade threw so many things into flux. And then you had the run on players from Georgia too, because the Packers, I think took two Georgia players. So what that did was push guys like Gordon and Brisker, who again, should have been first round picks last year, all the way down the board. And if people want my comparison for Jaquan Brisker, he has the potential to be, a guy like the floor of a player like Keanu Neal, but the ceiling of a player like a Minka Fitzpatrick or James Derwin, who are pretty solid when I look at it. But let's play, I mean, scenario-based games again and 
before we get into our next scenario, I mean, I agree. I think it's got to be O-line and specifically offensive tackle. Like, you don't draft a right tackle within the top 10. If you look at historically all the players that have kind of been drafted in the first round, like a Rashawn Slater, Christian Derrissaw, um, I'll throw Elijah Vera Tucker in there as well to the New York Jets a couple of years ago. Pretty sure I just mentioned, yeah, Rashawn Slater too. They've all been guys that have been left tackles. Trishan Worsh from Iowa as well. But what are the Bears doing in rounds two and three here? Because to me, it's going to be edge rusher and offensive line most likely again for the we need another wide receiver crowd. I think round two is where you go trenches. Round three is where you kind of add a playmaker. I agree. Yeah, if you look at the edge depth, like I kind of talked about already, there's going to be guys on the board at pick number, whatever our pick is. You know, we have two end of the second round picks. Um, there's going to be guys available on the at the edge spot that could be very helpful. Or even like a defensive tackle, like a Keanu Benton could be a fantastic pick for the Bears, right? He has athleticism. He has that ability to maybe play three technique if, if you can mold him into that being that. So I do agree it's probably going to be, you know, D-line, it's going to be edge. But I also think that Ryan Poles is going to be going best player available. So if there is like a, let's say like a Jameer Gibbs somehow falls down to you at, at pick in the fifties, I think Ryan Poles would maybe take him, right? I mean, he's, he's the level of prospect that, that I think it would be okay with taking. I mean, I know we don't need running back, but he's kind of similar to Bijan Robinson where he's that good of a, of an overall player where you might consider it. Um, because I'm I'm just thinking that Ryan Poles is going to go best player available, right? And if if he's going that way, then that could be the the way he he goes about doing this. But otherwise, I would say defensive line for sure. Offensive line um could be a big help, and receiver probably is going to be later on because I can't think of you know, unless like a Quinton Johnson somehow falls that far. Probably not. Um, but I, I definitely think it's going to be defensive line. Just saying. The first four picks in anyone's Bears mock draft over the next four weeks should include only SEC and Big Ten prospects because that's legitimately where it seems like all the talent is. All right, how about day three? What do you think Ryan Pohl's biggest goal needs to be on day three? Because it's not just about adding depth. I mean, the Bears found Braxton Jones last year in the fifth round. The Bears got Dominique Robinson, too, in round five, who, again, I think has a lot of potential. So having, I think it's like two fifth-round picks, one sixth-rounder, and a couple seventh-rounders, there's a lot of potential there to add some talent that can be quality depth for you. Yeah, and you can just select best player available there. Like, if you already got... In edge, you got an offensive tackle, you got the center in, in day one, day two, then you can just go best player available. So if you have another edge that falls to you, great, go for him. If you have, you know, a cornerback that falls for you, falls to you, go go with him or get a running back, whatever you need, right? Like it, it's just it's gonna be BPA at that point. And the Bears, again, having so many needs and needing depth on the roster, there's gonna be a lot of guys available that could be pretty big upgrades for the Bears in terms of like a like a depth point of view. And it's it's a lottery, right? Like the more the more lottery tickets you have, the higher chance you have of hitting it big and getting a steal in in like a round five or like a round six. So, um, I, I will say also that they could also go quarterback on day three because even though I know we re-signed Nathan Peterman today, we um got PJ Walker too. We have Justin Fields obviously, but if if Ryan Poles does want to get a developmental project at quarterback, which 
Ryan Pace seemed to never really do. I know we had Tyler Bray for a while, but we didn't really draft quarterbacks that often. So if some quarterback falls to you on day three in like a round six, round seven, why not draft him, right? Like it's it's the flyer that you have. And we saw last year, like a Brock Purdy did really well for the 49ers unexpectedly. That's not always going to happen, but you have to take the swings for that to potentially happen. So I think quarterback could be on the board for the Bears as well on day three. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I was just going to say, as you were speaking there, like just use a 49ers model where you get a guy like a Nick Mullins undrafted free agent, CJ Beathard to draft him. And then all of a sudden Brock Purdy bursts onto the scene. But I mean, all right, let's talk general offseason thoughts here. There's so much going on outside of the Aaron Rodgers drama. Like what key storylines have you been following? Um, definitely draft stuff, obviously, like looking at what teams are going to draft, which players, um, keeping a track of the mock drafts has been pretty big. Um, but otherwise, like there, there probably hasn't been too much other noise. Like I can't think of any major offseason stories besides Aaron Rodgers, which he has the, the spotlight basically every year now for the past three years, he's had the spotlight on him. He's finally getting traded now, I think, right? Like he's not officially traded, but the Jets and the Packers are coming to terms on an agreement um probably soon so we'll see what happens with that but otherwise it has been a pretty chill offseason like there have not been too many like trade requests or anything like last year we saw so many players get traded like you know some stars like Devonte adams so i'm kind of like waiting to see if the trade requests are going to come from people that need contracts like a deforce buckner or like a jeffrey simmons their contracts are running out next year uh, both of them uh, according to my knowledge so um, with the Bears having the ability to take on a contract, take on a new contract and still you know, trade draft capital for a player, that's something the Bears could entertain doing because now we're in position to do that um, this year when we weren't in position to do that la- last year. So keep an eye out for like people that could be demanding trades. But right now, it has been pretty quiet, I would say, for the most part. The one that intrigues me the most is Darren Waller being traded from Las Vegas to the New York Giants. And I say that simply because if you watched the Giants last year, you saw a team that was a carbon copy of the 2018 Bears. Really good defense led by a veteran defensive coordinator with a stud pass rusher in Kayvon Thibodeau. An offense that had some talent but not a lot of talent. And then a quarterback who finally seemingly figured it out but was more of a product of scheme and a coach hiding his tendencies in Daniel Jones that you go out and you trade for Darren Waller and then you recommit to Daniel Jones to kind of show that hey we still believe Daniel can be the guy moving forward but let's talk Lions Packers and Vikings I mean what do you expect those three teams to do in round one because the Lions are scary they've got a top 10 pick here the Packers don't have a top 10 pick, but they're facing so much uncertainty. And then the Vikings are in the midst of this like competitive rebuild where they've let a lot of their core veterans go and they're ready to restart all over. So what do you think those three teams do in round one? 
Yeah, Lions, it's kind of tough to say because they have two first-round picks. They don't have many needs, I would say, right? Like, they have a pretty good roster right now, which is crazy to say as a Bears fan, but the Lions actually have a pretty good roster. So they could actually go best player available. Probably add to the defense. They don't. They did not have a good defense last year. They added a lot of players this year. Um, but they could probably still use some defensive line help. So maybe like a Jalen Carter if he falls to the Lions at pick number six. I think that could make a lot of sense. They could fit him into the culture that they have there and you know, kind of protect him, build around him, um, and hopefully, you know, have him avoid off the field issues. But I also think the Lions could be maybe like a sneaky team to get a quarterback because I know that Jared Goff did pretty well last year, but you can't bake on that continuing forever, right? Like Jared Goff, he's already reached a ceiling at this point. He's getting a little bit older. He's not going to be a Super Bowl level, Super Bowl caliber quarterback. So if you want to take a swing on like a, like Anthony Richardson or like a Will Levis, um, bank on the physical traits, have them develop behind Jared Goff for the next year or two. I think that can make a lot of sense as well for the Lions. And I actually think that would be the smart move for the Lions because you're not going to be drafting this high um, probably ever again if, if this rebuild works out well. Like at least in the next two or three years, you're not going to be drafting this high in the draft. So I think it would make sense for the Lions to at least entertain um, going quarterback. But looking at the the Packers then, um, they could use a receiver for sure. Like they only have Christian Watson really as the only you know, high upside guy right now. They got rid of Alan Lazard. They got rid of um, Randall Cobb too, I believe. So they could use a receiver, like maybe a Jackson Smith and Jigba, maybe a Quentin Johnson, but the Packers also historically have not drafted a receiver in the first round. So they could be a, a threat to go for edge, defensive line, offensive line, like they usually do. And then looking at the Vikings, um, they have defensive needs for sure. So, cornerback potentially defensive line could be on the board they're picking at the end of round one so they're not going to have like a high caliber player probably fall to them like a blue chip guy but they could still get a guy that could help them out next year 100 percent. but if you want to look at like the like the division um if you want to like predict the standings for next year right like i, I think the lions are probably going to finish in first i'm just being 100 percent unbiased because they have the best roster in the north by far right now right like they have the best offensive line they have a pretty good defense now too like in terms of like the secondary they have kirby joseph they have other guys that they added this year um aiden hutchinson too the only question mark i have with the lions is 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 jared goff going to hold them back which is a possibility because we've seen jared goff not do well you know some years but if he does have the proper supporting cast around him he's probably not going to like prevent you from going to the playoffs but it's the Lions, okay? So we, we can never be sure about them being good ever because they have not been consistently good ever. So I think Lions, number one. I want to say Bears, number two, um, which is being a little bit optimistic. But with the Vikings probably taking a step back um, and, and with the Packers losing Aaron Rodgers and us not knowing anything about Jordan Love, I think there's a good chance the Bears could be number two just because of Justin Fields hopefully taking a leap next year and hopefully the defense being better as well next year. What, what do you think about the order next year? Like, what do you predict? Well, I agree with you. Funny enough, talking about, you know, what do you think the NFC North is going to look like in 2023 was my final question. But, I mean, it's inevitable. You have a Lions team that's coming back that, again, their biggest move of the offseason was retaining Ben Johnson, who had gotten a handful of head coaching interviews. I mean, he put together, I think, a phenomenal showing as the offensive coordinator last year and really exceeded expectations. Dan Campbell's a guy who a lot of Bears fans don't like and just love to make fun of, but the significance about Detroit is this, is that 
Detroit plays hard for Dan Campbell, and it's very clear that these are not your same old Lions, or at least that's not what we saw last year. Like, There's such a culture shift happening in Detroit right now. It would not be a surprise to see them be one of the top teams for the next couple of years. And then you look at the Bears. I mean, the thing with the Bears is this is young ascending team that is still figuring out who they are. They're still figuring out the identity. They have a lot of needs. The Bears are at least a year behind where the Lions are. Now, the only advantage the Bears have over the Lions in terms of an identity is the Bears have a long-term solution at quarterback. The Lions really do not. And then you look at the Vikings and Packers. Those are teams that are dealing with uncertainty. The Vikings are dealing with uncertainty simply because you don't know how much longer Minnesota can keep kicking the can down the road. Last year was about as good as it's going to get for Kirk Cousins and co because they played really well, even though Minnesota was in a lot of one score games. Kevin O'Connell's got a great relationship with Kirk Cousins. The Packers, I mean, it's the dawn of a new era. They still are going to have a solid defense. Offense, you expect there to be continuity, especially because it is a veteran offensive line. Christian Watson, I think, started off really slow last year. Should certainly take a massive step forward, though. You look at players like Amari Rogers, who... And came on towards the middle of the year last year. And then last but not least, I mean, the big question there is Jordan Love. I think the Packers are going to have to change up their philosophy on offense because they're going to have to go more kind of run first than they traditionally want to. And that's simply because Jordan Love hasn't shown he's going to get acclimated to the speed of the NFL yet. And no disrespect to Jordan Love, he can be really good. But again, going into year four, like he's only got one start and really haven't seen much of what he's been able to do. Yeah, I mean, a lot of Packers fans think that he's guaranteed to be a Hall of Famer now because they've done that twice in a row, but that's not how that's not how it works, right? Like you have to be really lucky to find a quarterback that is a Hall of Fame level talent or even like an average quarterback is so damn hard to find in the NFL. Like even us Bears fans, like most years we have not had even average level quarterback plays. So expecting Jordan Love to be like a superstar right away is it's not a good um expectation for the Packers fan base but the Packers fan base has been spoiled with all these quarterbacks so I can't even blame them for having these high expectations for Jordan Love but we'll see how the division turns out next year it's going to be a lot of fun for sure absolutely really is before we get out of here tell us where people can kind of follow you on Twitter and um, keep up with your work yeah, so if you look up the Windy City Productions um, on Google, you can find my YouTube channel. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at DWC Prods. Um, my personal account is at uh, Rishab Sikri, R-S-H-A-B-S-I-K-R-I, if you want to follow me. But yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I'll definitely have you on uh, my channel as well for the NFL Draft if you want to do that again. Absolutely. That Consider it an open invitation. You can come on here anytime okay. you want to. Just go and text me. Um, That's yeah. going to do it for us, guys. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at Usaid Kosho. Check out the Bear Report. Follow us on Twitter at Bear Report. Check out the Picks 4 Polls account as well. That's at Picks 4 Polls. We're on pretty much every single social media platform. Go to our website, too. I just dropped the scouting report on Texas running back B. John Robinson breaking down potential fits in round one as well. That's going to do it from us though until then stay safe and warm if you're in the chicagoland area i know everyone's on spring break this week but bear down guys we will see you next week when andrew returns and we have another really cool guest on